Welcome to The Row Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion winning must be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, crucial role in South Africa. Compassion, great passion, fiction, ultimate goal. Glory, relentless training, pain. Pain. (laughs) Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to another awesome episode of The Row Show. We have um, myself, Lawrence Britton, and awesome guests with us today, uh, Martin Cross. And always Jake Green. It's awesome to be back on the show. And Martin, it seems uh, you're becoming quite the regular on the Row Show podcast. And I must say, we, we've we been thoroughly enjoying your insights into into the racing around the world. And this time, we're bringing your expertise on the Henley Royal Regatta from uh, 2023 that's just, just finished. Yeah, I can't believe I'm not. It seems like I've been at Henley all week. And I've just managed to get home now. But I can't believe I'm not there, Jake. Yeah, yeah. No, I, as I see, you 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 decided that the celebrations, you know, come back and 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 join us on the in the row show for chatting about, you know, yeah, the, the I've, racing today. I've left Leander Club and the party there. I've left Mahikis and all that. Yeah. I've left the Angel Bar over the bridge. That's not for me. No. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't you weren't there. You weren't there last night. I had a dinner at Leander last night, very kindly. I don't know if you know a guy called Sean Colgan, but he um, he sponsored the New Zealand Olympic Eights in mm. 2021. And he is now, he, he's got a house in Leander. He now is the, or his Colgan Foundation, him and Bibi, his wife, they sponsor Leander. Mm-hmm. So wow. it, Invesco dropped out and Leander were left with no sponsors. And... Um, Basically, Sean and Beebe stepped in to rescue them. So he had a nice dinner at Leander Club last night. And, um, you know, there were, there were the coaches of Penn there, the Leander coaches, Matt Beachy and Ross Hunter, um, Josh Butler, the Westminster coach, who's coming to work at the school I teach at, uh, at Hampton. So, um, and um, Sam, the Cox from the New Zealand 8 in the mm. um, 2021 Olympics. So it was a great little table, actually. Yeah, no, it sounds Jeez, yeah. sounds fantastic. I must say the the Henley regatta. I can just tell from the enclosures and the pics on social media. It seems to be a massive uh, community event, humongous off the water, and it it draws just like you've been speaking, like rowing uh, alumni from all walks of life on different levels, which for me is absolutely brilliant. And I really enjoy how we see the this in the racing itself. That Henley for me is like a um, an exhibition on rowing from schoolboy level to right to the elite with all these different events. And we were talking a bit earlier about how it's messy, but it works. And I think uh, for me, definitely one of the best regattas on the calendar. And I just want to start off the, the, the podcast by just saying a massive thanks to coming on the show and a huge shout out to yourself and your fellow um broadcasters and commentators which i think put on a fantastic uh, uh production today on the on the show i really thought the commentating was top notch and um yeah it was a massive team i could ju- tell by the amount of times you guys were switching over but brilliant brilliant job thank you 
Yeah, I, I enjoyed um, Mo Sabi on the on the broadcast. He was really good, actually. Mo just jumped in, and he was like, the first day, he was like, whoa, he's been doing this all his life. And, um, <laughs> yeah, he was great. No, he's someone we need to get on the show. Uh, he's, he's been on our list for a while. Oh, well, it's interesting, because I, I, I like to chat to him, but I think Mo is keeping his powder dry. So, um, yeah, as soon as he's available, I, I'll, I'll let mm. you guys know. Yeah, I've got, the, I've got the sense from him, but I, what I love about Mo, he's got such an imperious voice that uh, has carries itself exceptionally well. So when I heard him on the broadcast, like you said, I thought, brilliant, a, a perfect perfect voice for for something like this um and obviously the the amazing insight that goes into it um so to i think to kick things off i i want to start with a natural uh a point of the day and then we could start speaking about the the elements of today's racing um the first race of the day for me a bit of a highlight as a south african you know the men's uh the the men's cox for oxford brooks versus the washington crew and uh, I loved seeing our South African uh, Bakang Zondi in the cockseat there, uh, getting a win for Oxford Brooks, which would s sort of set the tone for the, r the rest of the day with the, the brilliant dominance that Oxford Brooks has managed to um, achieve these last couple of years. Yeah, I know there were a few um, South Africans, you know, in the regatta this year, I think. And um, he was one of them. Um, and, and it set the tone. Uh, for what was a sensational day for Oxford Brooks, that win in the so the names the Prince Albert, you know, um, it, it's a more recent event, but you know, student events uh, are so overcrowded. Like the the Temple um, Challenge Cup, which is for men's student eights, they had eighty entries, mm. which is just ridiculous and so that the qualifying was uh you know on the friday before the regatta uh but the prince albert is is that student level it's generally seen as a bit below the temple but um you know oxford brooks target very shrewdly and and put a boat in which they thought could deliver and it did mm. yeah definitely and martin maybe like now that we're on Oxford Brooks, and we're going to touch on some of the, the crews in, 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 in a bit more detail uh, later on, but give us a bit of insight as, as two members that have, haven't spent that much time within the, the British rowing setup. They really seem to have such a strong culture at the moment, and I noticed that it's been building uh, throughout the years, and this year it was amazing to see, and like very, very few races that we saw Brooks coming off on the, the wrong side of the um, of the draw, um, yeah. Yeah, they they have a very competitive way of training. Um, so you are being watched every session. Um, you know, when you rock up to the boat club, um, it doesn't matter, you know, what you've done in the previous season, what your name is. Uh, you, are, you are there to prove yourself. And... Um, there is also a unity about the whole boat club, you know. So, in 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 the Oxford and Cambridge boat clubs, for example, if you are a blue, you get a special shirt to wear. Mm. But all all the athletes in the Oxford Brooks setup, they all wear the same rowing suit. There's there's no distinction at all. Um, they make extensive use of telemetry, so they're always doing work with telemetry. 
um, you know, back at home. And um, the the culture of Brooks has really been, um, I, I think, first developed by a guy called Richard Spratley, mm-hmm. um, who, who's now kind of o- o- oversees everything. I mean, the main coach is, is Henry Balash Webb, who, who kind of works with him. And um, they've developed this culture of um, a very competitive, um, really hit it hard when they're on the water, really supportive of each other as a boat club. And I think you saw that at Henley today. You know, the, the, the one thing, I'm not sure whether it came over on TV, but the, they have these things called the walkout. I mean, it would be insane if I had this in international rowing. But if you can imagine, like, 200 people, maybe, around these boat tents and and you've got the rowers just bringing their boat out and you've got 200 people shouting and clapping and yeah Brooks so you've got a whole um club thing going on um you know and and there are things that are very striking about it so um Brooks do matches against the university crews in the spring and one of the things I find frustrating doing commentary is who's in the Brooks boat and I kind of, you know, because they never give you the names. And I took this up with Richard Spratley and he basically said, well, you know, we we don't want to let people know they're in the boat until, you know, the last the last moment because they're always in competition. And mm. um, and and so I think you, you've got a culture of a club which the athletes buy into. You've got this, you know, they, they row with this very distinctive fat smoothie blades um and they have a very snappy style on the front end they they because i think they're quite competitive they row quite aggressively um on the front end but they're also very smooth on the recovery and you've got these amazing shots you can see on social media when they they go i think it's to wimblebourne or where, where they go to the lake where there's about six or seven brooks eights including the women all abreast racing each other so um and if you want to row, um, so say you're a student and you want to row in sixth form, um, and maybe, you know, the, the top guys want to go to Harvard or Yale or, you know, Princeton or Cal or, you know, maybe Washington. Um, and, and, and then guys think, well, I'll go to Brooks and row. But even if you're not a top guy, what Brooks has got is the capacity to take a lad or a woman and bring them into a program and develop them through because they've got these tiers of eights. They've got so many crews. So they they don't have to have fantastic rowers going there. And then also what you've got is a culture where where ex-students come back, stay in row for Brooks. Mm. You know, so when there was COVID, so for example, the British four, all of whom represent the, the, the sort of four that won the stewards, um, that won at Varese, they were all rowing for Brooks. So Freddie Davison, the stroke man, for example, he didn't go to Oxford Brooks University, but he went to row at Oxford Brooks for a year. So the influence extends far beyond the university students in terms of the culture at the club yeah so it, it's 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 really phenomenal what they've created yeah i mean you really see that on the um on the water and 
maybe my uh, my next uh, point to 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 chat about is is another. It was probably one of the bigger races uh, from my my point was the the ladies' cup, the intermediate uh, men's eight, Oxford versus Leander, very very close on the at the end of the line. And I started what I got from that race is the I started realizing that there was this very pa- patent patented race profile that's that all the Brooks crews seem to put on and I think you guys the commentators are so good at uh, sort of helping the viewers uh, lean into it and they're so strong like the the middle third of the race they really seem to put down a very very strong uh, passage of rowing that gives them the the edge and um, many cases today crews came back on Oxford Brooks really hard in the sprint and unfortunately the Oxford Oxford Brooks crews just had too much at the end there and must say Leander put on a fantastic race there but just didn't have enough at the end to to reel in the book screw yeah well of course leander with the holders it, it had quite a lot of spice that matchup um yeah. and and really outside of the internationals um that's the the latest plate is is the kind of um it's it, it's sort of intermediate. Um, I mean, basically, if you if you've got under twenty three medalists and things like that, you're not allowed in the university events. So you 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 go up to something like the ladies' plate. So it is it, it is the top athletes. It's the ones that have been around uh, for quite a while. And um, the name on the, on on the ladies' challenge plate, I think you know, for 2018, um, 2019 and twenty twenty one was Oxford Brooks. So there was a, a thing with Leander um, last year. So there, there was quite a lot of rivalry. And I did think, I wondered, sometimes there's lots of lore and folklore about Henley. And, that, you know, there, there probably wasn't too much between who got the side nearest the stewards' enclosure, the Berkshire yes. side of the bank. But basically, yeah. you're quite close into the bank and it, you're rowing against the stream on that Berkshire station. So you theoretically you should have less um pressure of the water against you particularly off the start and when you come into the finish so i would always choose the berkshire station and you know leander had the berkshire station and i thought oh well you know but brooks were on on the buckinghamshire station so they they were kind of out into if they you know the stream um there was a bit but not much and they won it on that you know, station and, you know, they, they go fast off the start and then they really dig in, you know, come, they, they come to Fawley and they make it count. Fawley is, 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 is basically just past a thousand meters Fawley. Yeah. And it's the halfway point and, um, and they really work on from there. So, you know, they, they're drawing the sting of Leander, which is what they did expertly. Sure, Martin, you touched on so many good points there. I think, it, I mean, it definitely looked like over the weekend, the, the Berks station, that station with the, with all the, the spectators on, that was definitely the, the one to be on uh, this, this regatta. I think often, I think with the headwind and the stream, just being a little bit more tucked in on the, on the side looked like it helped a, a couple crews, but oh, the racing was, was so good. But going back to the Brooks um, kind of their club and, and how well they did. And uh, you, you, there's a few points I just jotted down here, like the telemetry. We had a huge discussion on the, on the Patreon group. And I think it's something we'll get into in the next uh, couple episodes on the, you know, the recording, um, the recording of stats and, and power and rates and stuff that you can do in training and in racing is, is I think 
growing quite quickly and and becoming a very important piece of of rowing and we want to look at the rules because i know the rules for a world rowing event are quite restrictive on them on the type of telemetry that you can record um of your boat down the track and then i enjoyed the just chatting about the like competitive training of the the brooks team because even though they're a club they're obviously taking hemi super seriously and this is the the peak of the season for a lot of these these clubs but then how does that relate because obvi- obviously then the, the last one is the the different tiers and how when you win events you you like kind of rank up and and then the rules become quite you know technical on on who's allowed to compete in which event but yeah, it definitely the, seemed like that was a, maybe a, a contentious thing this this regatta that a few people maybe should have been in a in a tier up yeah, I think so. Um, you know, um, the the I think the, the, it was great to see so many American colleges, but they lost all of their rowers, uh, their under twenty three rowers, that you know, gold medalists. So I think the Stanford crew that won the NCAA's, uh, the women's crew in 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 the states, they they kind of lost about four of their best oarswomen. Mm. Um, and and so they kind of thought, right, okay, we'll put the other four in in a four, and then we'll go with our second boss TAs. Um, the the pen crew um, that came fourth in the NCAA's, the women, um, they had I think an Austra- I think she was an Australian in stroke, and and but for if she was in the crew, they would have had to have raced the top event, the Remenham. Uh, for women's eights, but because she wasn't, they raced in, um, I think, the island for university eights. And, uh, you know, I, I think they ended up losing that um, that one to Brooks. But there's mm. always, every single year, there's controversy about who's allowed in what. Yeah. I must say, it's, I don't think there's there's any winning, though, to be fair to the, uh, the stewards and the, the organizers. It is, I can imagine it's really, really difficult because going back to that uh, race you spoke about the um, the the ladies' uh, plate or the, oh, ladies' cup. I can't remember. Apologies. Plate. Um, yeah, plate. The ladies' plate. So you know, Samuel Nunn racing in the Oxford Br- Br- uh, Brooks Crew, world champion in the men's four, and you know, I, I they, he's racing at an intermediate level, and then the race was that close. It's it's like if I was the uh, the Leander crew, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying things are black and white. It's just for me that seemed a little bit mismatched having a world champion racing on an intermediate level there. Yeah, and it the, definitely. The, I mean, if you're asking for edges, I know he's a one man and eight man boat, but that was a close race. Yeah, it was a close race, and and that's a really good shout. You know, Sam's essentially in a new status as spare of for the British team. Is is yeah. co-spare and fellow world champion was rowing bow in, in, in the British eight. Um, there were only two eights. So the stewards would have had to have taken that Brooks eight out. So every Brooks eight would have had to have shifted up, which would have caused a huge, huge controversy. Problem. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to say about the telemetry, um, w- which is really interesting. I was talking to Johnny Singfield yesterday who's the coach of the St. Edwards crew that won the Princess Elizabeth, which is the race for junior clubs and schools. And he had the telemetry on his boat. And I said, oh, you know, why have you got that? And he said, well, you know, um, if, if it's not that, I asked the kids what 
He said they're so used to looking at screens. He said if they haven't got the screens there, I asked them, you know, what watch do you think you were pulling? Or how, how was it? And they don't know. And then you put the screen there and I always go, oh, right, 370 watts, you know. It's kind of a, a comfort thing for them. He, he said they, 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 they seem to know more with a telemetry screen in front of them. So he had the telemetry on through the regatta. So it, the, exactly on the same point, this is why the, 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 the Patreon group started chatting about the telemetry because one of the, uh, I think it was a woman's quad or women's four, was rowing and, and all four athletes had the stroke coach yeah. on the on their on their boat looking and then everyone was, we were discussing like isn't isn't it too much info, but actually it's maybe reaffirming you know like getting giving the athletes that information that they kind of you know confirming what they what they're feeling. It's like it's not necessarily giving you the info. It's like okay, this feels hard, but I'm rowing at uh, at one thirty speed or you know just kind of reinforcing that that kind of trust on on what you're feeling so maybe there's that element of it um, yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna play the devil's advocate and say that i when i saw that i thought my first thought was that was ridiculous to to have a, <laughs> uh, an athlete every single person in the boat as a stroke coach and you know my personal view is um i i kind of like the strokeman having the the stroke coach and everyone else it's like it's more more about the feel because I often find, you know, rowing's an outdoor sport. Sometimes the, the, the speeds, the data can be different. And then, like, I don't want, you know, the strokeman, that's his role. I feel like having, mm. having people worrying about what the splits, what the, the, the stroke rate is, for me, is kind of like taking away from what the strokeman's doing, which can get in the mm. way. Like, you don't want the bowman going, we, we should be at 130, we're at 131. And now he starts making independent decisions, even if it's decisions. head or psychologically, yeah, yeah, that's going to yeah. impact how he's going to, uh, to interpret the the race and change how he races instead of mm. going or feeling because it is an outdoor sport. Conditions change. It's it for me. It's more about what's happening on the water. You're racing another crew. Go mm. off the feeling and your strokeman. You've put him there for a reason. And for me, it's like you trust what he's doing let him do his job you buy into what he's or what his rhythm and and the splits and, and thereof so i'm not a big fan of the the stroke coach in every in every position yeah i um, where i want to see it go is is not so much the the athlete having direct feedback during the race but the coach like what data are they getting from that mm. you know because now you can link those to your gates you can there's a whole lot of um of actual data that you can be getting down the track mm -hmm. and then you can be using that to predict and plan your your race plans and your your races your future races and your training um and maybe it's a piece that we're missing you know we're not getting that data during the race we're getting all this data during the training but not the the data during the race which is uh interesting yeah yeah mm, it's very interesting moving moving the conversation forward i want to have a uh, look at at kind of my I, today i was watching it and i got a sense there were some big matchups on on the water yeah. where we saw some really impressive rowing and one for me this is the most brutal race of the day was the elite um the elite women's single the princess royale holy oh, yeah. smokes that was yeah. an incredible race from uh dimchenko and uh Velikko. i can't Velitsko, yeah Velitsko. Velitsko from from poland what a yeah. what a spectacular performance and it was like i'd been watching all these big boats suddenly i had two scholars on the water and the dynamic of the race had changed completely because of how much longer the race was it was so much more 
uh, intimate and uh, visceral, seeing these two athletes that were pretty much neck on neck the whole way down. And it, honestly, for me, like Dimchenko won that just by the amount that she almost was able to suffer and still maintain a consistent output down the track. I loved that event. It was brilliant. Yeah, I, I think that's a great shout. And, and um, I, I'm not being fair on Dimchenko because I was watching that and, and thinking, you know, Vileczko is going to come through you. I, I kind of just mm. wondered mentally how strong she would be. I think, you know, possibly there's been some questions about that. You know, she hasn't had the greatest start to the season, uh, but she was sculling really, really well. And, um, in, you know, in in really difficult... I mean, the scholars had to cope with some real challenging conditions. I mean, today mm. was, was, was tough, but, you know, uh, I think it was the Friday that was insane. It was the wind and the, everything else. It was the waves. Um, and and Vilitsko really suffered. She, in fact, she nearly lost the race against a, a British scholar, Robinson Ranger. But you're right; yeah. that was a that was a super race. It was brutal, and it was you could see the reaction when they just collapsed over their blades at the finish. But yeah. I think I think that's what is uh, what uh, differentiates Henley from everything else is is it's one on one. It's it's so different to to anything else. The environment that you're in is is so different to any of the the world. Cups or, or world champs or other races that you you can attend, and it's I mean it's why the South African team was is so keen on going there and racing there because it just completely took us out of a comfort zone. You know yeah. everything is like a little bit harder. Warming up is is an absolute nightmare. You have to navigate through like all these ships and 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 motorboats and things like that, and then you you have to do your actual warm up on like a big curve of the of the river. Yeah, yeah. Then you have to go and get into this this race that's funny lanes, booms, it's not, um, you know, people are going skew and it's not fair and there's wake and there's all these elements and then it's still one-on-one -on -one only, it's like a, if you're, if the, if you physically matched up close to another crew, it's a complete mental match against them to see who can kind of outlast. And I mean, we've seen so many crews bomb. I mean, we've seen even uh, Mahi Drysdale have a, have a, a real bad race there where he just, kind of you know let someone let someone else go just straight through them and then you know that mental element i think of henley is so so hectic so yeah i mean i think the that that race really really highlighted the mental edge of of henley and how why it's so good for for athletes to go and race it yeah and and you know the the queen mother cup for quad international quadruple skulls um you know, I think being fair on the poles because they'd had an illness in the boat. Yeah, um, Matthias Biskop, I believe. Yes, um, and and um, I think without that illness, then you know they they would have probably prevailed against the British. And you know, I, I spoke with the British coach afterwards, and and he was like. He, he doesn't really show that much emotion, Paul Stannard. Um, he, he's the chief coach and, you know, um, I know him well because I used to teach him at Hampton School. But he um, he was under no illusions that, you know, uh, come Lucerne, if the Polish quad recover, you know, that's starting from a blank sheet of paper. But the race was so exciting. If you kind of put that to one yeah. side... Um, you know, you had the British rowing through again. You know, they had the, to me, the slightly slight advantage on the station, but you know, they took it, and uh, it was really exciting. 
um, really exciting. Very exciting. And I, I put a note down here, but correct me if I'm wrong. It was the only race of the day where a, a crew out sprinted another crew at the end um, of the race to come away with the win was the, the GB men's squad. And um, I think hats off to them, even with the illness. I think it's, it is obviously the situation where you, you play the, 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 the what if game of what if they, if they, um, you know, if the guy was uh, at a hundred percent, but for me, I, I kind of see like racing, it, it, it's different. You know, you could get sick at, at the world champs or the Olympics. And then again, yes, if the, if the guy was not sick, is the crew going to go faster? Of course it is. But, you know, it's yeah, just the yeah, nature. Yeah. For me, it's the nature of the game. And I really hope Mateus is uh, is 100% at, at Lucerne. I've been really, really enjoying watching that Polish quad. And particularly uh, Berinsky and Mateus, the combination for me for uh, from yeah, their doubling yeah. together in that Polish quad, that is for me the magic that makes that, that quad go so fast. Um, but to hats off to the British quad. It's a new combination. Um, and I think you know, the confidence that they can take away. It's not just them versus Poland. It's obviously them versus, uh, at this point, you know, Italy and Australia at the top of that that mm. quad list. So, yes, the guy was sick, but it's still, you had a fantastic race. You came away with a huge win over the world champions. And uh, it's about the confidence that that gives the GB quad going into next week's racing at Lucerne because obviously yeah. this year there's there's a lot of things that need that crews need to get right for champs to to, to signif- uh, qualify their their boat for the games yeah i i you know i think it was uh, the, the the regatta had a feature of so many wins from oxford brooks i mean it's a it's a credit to oxford brooks that they almost made it boring that another oxford brooks mm. crew was winning which they won't mind at all um and and obviously Thames Rowing Club was incredibly successful as well. Um, you know they won the, the intermediate men's club events for eights, the intermediate men's club events for fours, and the women's intermediate um, club events as well. Um, so you know it it was the, the, and uh, and also looking at the, the events that I was working on today, which were um, great privilege to work on, um, you know, the Remenham for International Women's Eights, the Grand, um, the Diamond Skulls, the, the, the Goblets for men's International Men's Pairs, um, and, and the Stoner, where the lightweights from Canada beat the, the heavyweight sort of under-23 British double. They were all processions. You know, they were all like one crew just kind of went out. You, 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 you had um, you almost you didn't really have any interest after the end of the island because yeah. the fav- the favourite was going out and moving away. Um, and then um, and then what you're looking at is is you you basically got I think with the British men's eight in the grand you know that's a crew at the top of their game. They've moved on, I think, since the Europeans, where they had that close race with Romania. They're, they're, they're going really well. Um, and so you're, you're, you're looking at the rowing at its best, close up, because you've got all those great camera shots. Um, but still, the race, the race is not as tight as you want. Mm. Well, um, I, think I, that, I think that goes down to, I mean, the British team is really really strong at the moment so especially in the open open events you know those top events the the british team is kind of setting the standard so i think that 
just by itself will prevent a few crews from going to Henley to race because they're, they're most likely going to race the, the British team. And then on top of that, then I think that they, I mean, there was su some superb performances from the British team, even at Henley, you know, home event. And, you know, even in the, like the stewards um, challenge, then it's not like a super tight race and it wasn't the most um, competitive field, but I mean, the British look so good mm. and, and that's their third crew. So I think, yeah, I mean, they, they, I'm really interested to see how they go. And I mean, Martin made the bold claim of saying that the, the men's eight was the, the best eight on the, in the field at the moment. So we'll definitely see it discern yeah. uh, this weekend. <laughs> I, know, I, might, I, might live, right. I might live to regret that. They do have, uh, th they've got a talismanic big five man, Charlie Elwes, and he had appendicitis, had to have his appendix removed. Mm. Um, before the Varese World Cup. I saw him today and he's around. He's looking okay, but I don't think he's going to be in for Lucerne. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hey, they got a, another world oh, champion. So that's your fallback so, if, they, if they don't win Lucerne. Yeah. <laughs> you can, oh, <laughs> I thought I'd get that in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so like I actually had a good think about it because I was watching the the stewards uh the stewards cup and you had the the GB uh four the top four in the world versus the uh, top uh tens rowing four and obviously um for me it's 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 seeing such a lopsided race from a purely spectator point of view is maybe not the the best thing in the whole world but again I mean someone I can't remember who said it at the end but they they did put it well you know the the GB4 has done the work to be able to do that, even at events like Henley. And yes, they didn't have to race against uh, another, you know, maybe an Australian four. But I found myself um, looking at that race and going, if anyone wanted to to sort of see the difference between a club row and a professional rower, and and like whenever they're watching a race going, mm. saying like, what what really is the difference between what I'm seeing on the screen and what am I familiar with? And to me, Stuart was the best example of uh, the difference between, you know, top club rovers versus the the professional, the creme de la creme. Yeah. And I, I, I think that attempts as well for for giving yeah. it years the whole way down the track. And I think, um, you know, they they really took it in their stride, and I think they really embraced the the spirit of racing against such good uh, mm. competition. I, I think that's so perceptive because those Thames guys, you know, they have got so many Henley um, appearances under their belt and wins under their belt in, in, in the lower standard event. And, you know, it's a big deal for them to step up. It, you know, it, it's a big deal for the club to have an entry in the international event, the stewards. Normally, you just expect to see maybe Leander Club there as the, you know, the premier club in the country. So for Thames to have an entry. But... Yeah. You're absolutely right. You you can see it's like um, watching um, a, a team uh, in you know in League One in in football or the or, or the Championship, the lower league, yes. play someone like Manchester City, um, you know, top of the Premiership, and you know it's it's like they're really workmanlike. They they're rowing well. You'd say. Uh, get your catches in together you know there's a decent release you're really making an effort and then you put them alongside that um british stewards for and you go whoa you know that's a world of difference yeah and um, you know I, I i think it gives people i i mean you know I, I guess we're really talking about kids now looking at it and look you know that that's how you want to row there that's um if you can aspire to that 
Um, and I think that's really useful to see that close up on the cameras at an event like Henley. For sure. And uh, I mean, it's very cool with the, the Thames there. I mean, uh, Ant Lester's a South African there in that boat in a three seat. And he's, I think you said, Martin, that he'd done, it was his 14th, um, 14th Henley, which is, I mean, that's quite something to have competed at, at that number. And he's won a lot of events as well. So he's, you know, he's had a good time. But it really is clear that, you know, these are guys that are working and training, you know, before and after work in the, in the late in the evening, early in the morning, compared to people that are doing it full time as their job. It's, it's very, it's clearly different, but I mean, still awesome all the same. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Really good. It, it was really good. Yeah. So I want to uh, have a look. I just want to put a bit of a highlight on for me, probably the, the coolest thing about the regatta is the, is the exhibition of the, the, the world's best schoolboy rowing and schoolgirl rowing. And I, I must say like, obviously the, the row show we, we known for interviewing the, the, the elite of the elite, but talk giving a bit of light on on the, on the, on the school systems are like I absolutely love watching all the events actually the the junior the women's aids the junior men's aids and the and the quads on on either side and such a cool exhibition and I, it blows my mind that school kids have got that opportunity to race at an event like Henley and to go off at with the the prince the prince philip philip cup with the junior women's aids deerfield versus uh, greenwich were both from the USA but for me, such different styles. Um, the the Deerfield on the one hand was much seems to be much lower rating crew, seems to be yeah. a heavier rig. They were rowing so clean and and really beautifully, very good blade work and very steely eyed in the boats versus the Greenwich crew, which was much more aggressive, much more dynamic, but messy. You could tell it was messy, not as clean. But for me, what I loved about it was that. The, the Greenwich crew came away with the win, which I thought was really interesting because I think oftentimes you see the, the cleaner crews coming away with the win. And I loved it because what I liked about the, 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 uh, the Greenwich crew was that the, the, the kids were, were putting their, their hearts on their sleeve with the manner in which they were rowing. It was just yeah. pure passion out there uh, racing uh, to get such a, a huge win for, for someone like that. I really thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that. That was such a good um, race. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I think, obviously, the thing at Henley is it has the ability to attract schools from all over the world. So you had, mm. you know, you, you get schools from um, Australia, you get schools uh, from the USA, um, you get schools from, um, from the UK, obviously, um, you get schools from Canada come over. It, it, it is really quite something. Um, mm. And, um, and you, you, I, I think that, the, like, for example, uh, junior crews from Sydney Rowing Club. I mean, Sydney Rowing Club, you know, it's such a long way the other side of the world. And they, they, they send really, really strong, you know, junior crews. They, they had a great... Um, entry in the forward for, for the boys quad um and then you know they they got rowed through by uh, i think hinksy sculling school who were the beam mm. finalists today um it was a fantastic race and you just think you know i had those boys marked out as you know possible event winners and they're out and gone on the friday or, or mm. you know and um 
so the quality of of schoolboy rowing and schoolgirl rowing is is phenomenal and you know the best british crew from headington they they were no match well i say that not that they were no match for the americans but they kind of got outpowered mm. um, and and that they've got you know young women on board that will go to the world junior championships and and you know get scholarships at american universities um and i think it the the most striking thing about henley in the schools event um is if you um i mean one thing you i know you you guys asked like which race would you look at you know is your go-to race but if you look at on youtube um what's the most watched rowing race do you know which one it'll be princess elizabeth yeah exactly and do you know how many views it's got no i'm sure it must be it must be quite significant for a rowing uh rowing material cool a quarter of a million. So the 2018 yeah. St. Paul's crew and, and you know, um, Tony O'Connor, the Irish coach for the New Zealand crew in, in the Tokyo Olympics, he was using that, that sort of to say, school kids rowing to say, this is how we should row. And I thought today at the regatta, looking at the St. Edward's crew, coached by Johnny Singfield, who's a, a, a guy I used to race with, but they had that sort of smoothness and poise and I think you could you could look at that eight and say, look, this is a model, a technical model for rowing. Yeah. And, you know, and they're, they're 16, 17, 18 year olds. Um, for sure. Like every every year, I feel like it is the, you can say it before the regattas even come, that the, the, the Princess Elizabeth um, Schoolboy Eights is going to be the race to watch. If you can choose one race, to follow over the week and to pay attention to it's it's that that event because it, it's so big and i feel like it's such a big event there's nothing else that really comes close to it like a junior world champs is not that big so people are not really paying that much attention to it whereas yeah mm-hmm. it's like your, your bigger school like school rowing is where um you know that kind of junior age group rowing is so big so having the school boys and i mean having the schools race each other is where the the hype is going to be and it's oh, it's so awesome and then the knockout adds that bit of spice because then you know crews that are yeah you know should make it to the final get on the wrong side of the draw and and get knocked out so early yeah or, or and it's and so it's it's very controversial i think as well and and everyone's looking the u.s colleges are all looking so everyone i was talking to with the pen coach last night and um there's a lad in the five seat of the St. Paul's eight and he rode in it last year when they won as a, as a junior 15 and he's a junior 16. He's got an erg of about just, just over, he's on six minutes, I think for his erg. And you know, the, the pen guy is saying every U S university wants this lad on their yeah. program. And, and, and so you, you get, you know, the, and and the the coaches are there, and uh, from the US universities, and the, the the crew coaches are there, and you know, there, there's a lot of rowing. I wouldn't say rowing business, but you know. <laughs> no, we understand. We understand what you mean. I think, uh, you know, rowing is a fairly small sport in South Africa, but that that happens in in rugby. I know in South Africa, that is ridiculous. The the sort of. Um, the 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 scouts and and getting the talent the right talent for your programs is 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 quite is the level mm. of uh uh detail and analytics that they go into 
Um, but to be fair, I mean, if if you're 15, 16 year old pulling close to six minutes, who isn't want to snap you up into their program? Yeah. But I do want to give a shout out to the the crews that the crew that did win Princess Elizabeth today, the um, St Edward's crew. For me, best coxing of the day was from that coxer, that St Edward's crew. He was 15 years old, and I thought he low key had uh, at the end it was very close, and I think he low key had a defining influence through his coxing on St. Edward's having enough at the end to keep the St. Paul's crew at bay because he, for me, he had such a commandeering um, presence in the lanes and he was, he was perfectly poised in the sort of middle of the lane to give them this commandeering presence in the water. And I feel that it put St. Paul's cox in a position where he had to start making very, very small decisions based based off the direction of the eight and for me that was uh, a pivotal move in securing these guys the the win at the end of the day because that's paul's crew came really really hard at the end of the day and i knew they were going to because they'd done this in the semi-finals and the quarterfinals such a strong second half and that's an edwards crew with best coxing of the regatta came away with a huge win first time they've won that since 1999 i think the the person yeah yeah so I love that. Well, that's that amazing. Felix Jameson, I think he's just 16 years old. So he's yeah. probably got a few um, a few Henleys uh, in front of him. But he's going to love that, Jake. Yeah, no, a huge shout out for him. I was really impressed. You know, someone that, and like, I, 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 you know, you can see, you're seeing top crews making horrific mistakes with the steering. One of the, oh, apologies, I actually can't remember the, the, the event name, but I think the inter, the, the women's pairs, the steering was not great. Hamilton. Both the Hamilton. Yeah. The steering in that was was atrocious. And so was the um I think the the club, one of the club fours. Um No, it was Thames. You know, it was London. Thames. London versus uh, Thames. No, I think it was in the Stuarts. It was in the final, wasn't it, Martin? The the Thames crew hitting the yeah to back off in the or maybe it was the pairs. No, you know what Ray race Jake that it was atrocious steering was the, the goblets um uh, the, the race was yeah. in the oh final yes day. yes did you see that that had that was typical <laughs> henley that had so much going for it for that race you know um the 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 two um they were brits but they were rowing um for um Amer- they, they rode for american universities and um they hit the booms, didn't they? Just off the start, yeah. just when you don't want to give uh, <laughs> Wynne Griffith and George anything. No, and then, oh. it could it could only happen at Henley. Uh, a, a, an old guy's a really old guy's a <laughs> from Harvard decided to cross the course right in front of the of the goblet semi final. Oh, <laughs> that was the, shocking! And the British player had to stop. And then you know, again, it was like so the umpire. John Hedger, he's basically like, okay, so what am I going to do? So he said, right, okay, so we'll start them now as they were. So they didn't start the level, but so the British pair had a lead, but it, it kind of had everything that that, that, um, that race had it all. Except the only thing I'm so upset about is I went back to watch it again and they've edited that piece out. So they obviously felt like, no, this is not. Oh, uh, have they? Yeah, they were like, this is too. Oh, no. um, controversial spicy Terrible. controversial for henley regatta so they that, literally edited it out to make it look like it was one race so that, the, the that's other, the thing 
you you always you know because Henley and the stewards and they and they're excellent really in terms of what they let you do and and commentate on um and they they don't try and influence you but you're always aware you know the, the, it's the stewards coverage you know they they're paying out a lot of money for this tv coverage and you know fantastic credit to them for doing it but yeah. you have to you know if that's their decision okay fair enough I, yeah. What was so funny about it, though, is that obviously this crew has got, they've already rode into the, uh, the boom, so they're way down. Then it, like, cuts to a different camera angle, and they're obviously much closer from the start, and they're, like, 20 pips higher than what they were, you know, in the previous <laughs> shot because they're now coming out the start for the second time. And it just looked a bit, uh, a bit funny, but it was awesome. And then I think the other thing we have to shout out to is uh, Martin reading out the the storyline for Fresh Prince of uh, of Ballet on the, <laughs> <laughs> the face oh, really? made my week completely. That was the best thing that happened. Which was um, really cool. Yeah, um, it, it was. Um, it was very. It was. It was brilliantly done because I I was looking for and you know so I, I kind of get in and, and the athletes. And, and a lot of them are contributed, which was great. And the athletes write down things, so you just scan it. And and I'm you're reading a lot of these, and this one like obviously stood out. <laughs> yeah, and so it was so gullible. And it was basically, yeah, you know, I was thinking street ball in Philly. What's what sport is street ball? <laughs> yeah, what is street ball? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then even oh. you know, uh, his mum got worried and sent him to. to and then he said, sent him to Canada uh, with Uncle Phil. <laughs> Um, and I never spotted it because I watched French Fresh Prince of Bel Air loads, and I could almost recite for you the opening rap lines oh. that Will Smith did. But uh, yeah, all all credit to the lad. He was a stroke lad, wasn't it? Matt Matt Bitch or yeah, something like that. It was, yeah, it was brilliant. For me, it's worth it's worth that though because you know for they obviously spend some time and put that in. You know, hoping some guy on the bank is going to read that and and think it's funny. And yeah, then he had Martin Cross read it out, and just yeah. I mean, that's made his week for sure. That's made his whole year, which is just awesome. To be, I was really, to be, really, and I wouldn't have yeah. picked it. I mean, we only picked it up because they point someone they pointed it, it out on the on the Patreon group. Yeah. So to I be fair, I I I know what the French Prince of Ballet is, but I've never watched it. But why, when you were watching the race and you said that bio, I scratched my head. I'm like. <laughs> That is the strangest <laughs> story I've ever heard in my life. I just, just the same reaction. Firstly, I'm like, what is streetball? And in Philadelphia, I'm like, the Americans We're have to make the weirdest names for these bloody sports. And streetball, I've never heard before in my life. And the fact yeah. that you had a, like, this, such this, like, uh, sort of wrong side of the tracks sort of bio of this uh you know rower in an eight which is not your typical uh bio for someone like that i just flipped and loved it it was brilliant so i yeah, also it pulled yeah. me straight away i was like that's very strange this is an interesting character and then but when yeah, someone pointed that out on the patreon group i that made a lot of sense it, but I his think... name was owen markovitz the stroke yeah you want to give him some more airtime martin <laughs> 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 the I, yeah. but I think it happens. I think it happens quite often though, because I think people always add a bit of of spice to their bios. I remember when we started um, 
when I went to my first under 23, so 2009, then our coach filled in all of our bios and he put, for John Smith, he put um, John Smith's hobbies as being a male model. And I can't remember who, it, I'm trying to remember who it was that was commentating and said, uh, oh, John Smith is a male model in his spare time, which made, you know, gave us oh, all a so laugh. Cool. No one else would I have think, ever known anything about it. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully, because World Rowing has asked um, athletes to fill in their bios. And obviously, there's a language issue because I think, you know, um, although they could write it in another language and get translated, but quite a lot of the athletes haven't filled it in, which is a shame. Um, but, you know, the idea of censoring or just thinking, is this true? Yeah. You know, there, 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 yeah. are, um, there, there were things at Henley, which I read out about, um, you know, um, in, in a woman's eight, um, this, this woman in one of the, the GB8s was a prima ballerina. And you kind of think, you and know, I know prima yeah. ballerinas, are, are, you know, they're quite petite. And I'm thinking, is this true? But, you know, you kind of go for it. And uh, you, you've got to commit. Okay. You've got to commit. Yeah, you have to commit. <laughs> and I'm it's not going to cause we... any trouble. While yeah. we've while we've got you on, Martin, I have to my uh, my favorite bit of commentating from today was in the Remenham Challenge Cup. You, the uh, the the top uh, women's eights Canada flies off against GB, and uh, you said that the they were so close it was uh, like a cigarette paper. That for me was oh, the best. <laughs> Thank you. So, but then we go to the side shot, and I must say, Canada had a fantastic, uh, uh, fantastic start. So I think it would have been more fitting to to rather say a, a carton, uh, yeah, 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 or yeah. something like that to that extent. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. The, I think um, I think we can we can start to wrap up. But I think another point that I want to make out is the the footage of Henley and the broadcast of Henley was on another level. I think we've mm. spoken about the complexity of the regatta and how it's not like, it's not a super easy regatta to just turn on and understand what's going on. And I think having great commentary and an incredible broadcast made the regatta. I mean, it's for us, I think for me, it's becoming bigger than these, than a lot of the World Cups. It's mm. it's such a pinnacle of the, the sport. And I think another piece of the broadcast that made it so good was it was 10 minutes between races. Races would cross the finish line. You'd have, you'd s really see the, 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 yeah. you know, the victories and the disappointment on the athlete's face. And then it's straight back to the start line to start another race. And we're not waiting 10, 15 minutes for uh, a, a, a medal ceremony and then getting back into the racing. It was, yeah. you know, even with the hour and a half lunch, it was incredible to just sit and watch race after race after race. And um, yeah. yeah. So I, I have to say, you know, a, a big thank you. Sunset and Vine have, have, you know, taken on this coverage. They're a big TV production company and they do a lot of other sports. And uh, there, there's a couple of stewards, um, Matt Pinson and Neil Chagani, who basically executive produce it and work with Sunset and Vine. So, um, and, and they've, they've done a wonderful job. You know, I had, I had a kind of um, the director in my ear you know, saying, I'm going to go this shot, this shot, this shot, this shot. And uh, Matt, who's kind of one of the, one of the other producers in my ear as well. Uh, you know, it was, it was great, really. It's, and then I've, you've got the co-commentator, you've got three people in your ear. 
as yeah. you commentate it. It's really buzzy and um, it's highly, you know, they're highly professional, Sunset and Bright. But I, I think yeah. it's very clear that it's not an easy thing to do and to get right. But if Henley can do it, you know, we it's it's definitely the an upward trend. And I think hopefully we see a few changes to the the, the world rowing broadcast and just kind of get mm. that last little bit of interest and and make sure we you know we capitalize on how exciting yeah. how exciting the the racing I, and the sport is. I will be really excited but i can't imagine it happening if there is a drone that's flying circles around athletes head as they go heads around like they did in Barese. yeah and whoever was yeah. the drone pilot there with i mean there were some amazing shots but it was kind of like perched on the shoulders of athletes as they were sprinting for the finish it was just like yeah this is really I, heart of the action stuff yeah i know but that's what you want to see as yeah you know, no, I, exactly I when I was an athlete, I was, you know, super worried about it being fair and, and you know, no, I don't want to wash and I don't want this. And I, I, you know, I wanted them to, to look after me as an athlete and my race. Now that I'm a spectator, I don't feel that much for the athletes anymore. And I want to be part yeah. of the action. I want to see as much as possible. I want to have the best drone shots and the best um, video of the, the race. Yeah. I don't really yeah. care if there's a bit of wash and a bit of, uh, you know, if it's a disruptive to the, the athletes a little bit. I think yeah. that we can afford a bit of it. And mm. I must say, like, there's, for me, it's, it's, it's about the compromise. And I think uh, Henley is such a good example. It's, you know, th one of the biggest, if not the biggest uh, regatta in the world. And you're talking about accommodating to athletes. I think Henley is an incredibly challenging race from an athlete point of view you know the 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 you know the scent one-on-one -on -one racing within two booms mm. the constant wash that's around you all the time how busy yeah. it is out there the madness of the water you know these aren't conducive um environments to you know elite performance if you if you want to make it as black and white as possible but yeah i think at the end of the day you want to firstly create a good product and you you go to the athletes that race at henley and you ask them why they love it you know, that's what I've just said about uh, Henley. Mm. That's part of why they love it so much. So, you know, yeah, you have to take right, a, yeah, yeah. you got to take a bit from that. Go to World Rowing and say, you know, maybe the drone shot close to someone's face is the, is the thing. Obviously, establishing what, you know, what's acceptable or not. But a mm. drone, drone within a couple meters versus when you're racing down in Henley and you have pleasure craft two meters away from you. <laughs> yeah, 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 down there yeah. With no sort of respect for what's happening on the water so i think it's a little bit of compromise and watching the the tour de france today it was a great reminder looking at these these spectators literally create a tiny funnel waving stuff in their faces as yeah. they're riding yeah, up the hill yeah. so i think you know there's i think it, it it comes to a realization of you know you gotta you gotta you gotta compromise there's a bit there's a bit on the athlete side there's a bit where you need mm. to give a really good product to get people to buy in absolutely yeah i'll see it, um that's 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 it for the that's it for the 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 episode and martin thanks again for coming on please everyone go check out uh crossy's cor corner it's a fantastic um source of uh, rowing media and been loving the interview so yeah definitely go check that out huge fans of the of the podcast over there too brilliant thank you ever so much